Welcome to the Visionary Fiction Alliance Authors Interview Series. I'm your host, Brad Swift, and it's my pleasure to hang out with other visionary fiction authors to explore the fascinating and evolving genre of visionary fiction. This show is a part of Visionary Fiction Alliance, whose purpose is to both increase awareness of the visionary fiction genre and to help readers discover explore and enjoy visionary fiction and the one of the ways that we're fulfilling on that purpose is with the visionary fiction readers pass which is a kind of a subscription based store uh, similar to kindle unlimited except in this case the focus is <laughs> you guessed it visionary fiction you can find out more information about the visionary fiction readers pass and other resources at our website, which is at www.visionaryfictionalliance.com. Now, let's meet today's visionary fiction author. Hello, today it's my pleasure to introduce you, our listening audience, viewing audience, to Gerald R. Stanick. Now, Gerald is a student of the esoteric teachings of various wisdom traditions. His writing focuses on the interplay between the mundane and the ethereal worlds and the effects of transcendental experiences on subjective reality. The characters of his novels and stories, such as The Road to Shambhala and Contact and Other Impressions, seek to be active participants in the expansion of consciousness and the evolution towards unified humanity. That sounds like a mouthful and it's like, it sounds like a lot of meaty stuff that we can explore today. So welcome to the show, Gerald. Well, thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be here. Well, we're, we're looking forward to this. I have really enjoyed all these interviews so far. I've, I've come away with a new realization, new revelations about visionary fiction uh, as well. So I'm looking forward to it today. Now, I don't know if you've watched the other uh, interviews we've done, but um, we'd like to start with uh, two questions, pretty much the same two questions, so we can get a different cut at these questions. So the questions are, how would you personally define visionary fiction and why do you think it's important, especially to our world today? Well, visionary fiction, as the first definition I ran across was that it's uh, where the evolution of consciousness drives the plot. Mm. Uh, and the characters are, are experiencing an expansion of awareness during the story. And I, I would add, uh, for myself, it's always important to, to clarify, you know, to specify that anything really can be considered expansion of consciousness. You know, somebody learns about uh, race car driving, they've expanded their consciousness. Right. So, I mean, to me, it's uh, becoming aware of, of the uh, higher self and the soul, whatever you want to call it, uh, and making that a part of your your purpose and your focus in your life. So that's 
that's my definition of visionary fiction is, is when the characters are involved in that. Yeah. Um, and it, of course, it's, it's very important in the world today because the world is having a few problems and <laughs> it can't hurt. <laughs> yeah. And just so, so uh, the viewers on this, because uh, we'll be actually airing this probably, I believe it's in the first part, first to middle part of June. Um, we're recording this um, in uh, mid-April, I believe. I was counting it up just before the show. I think we were about five weeks into, um, you know, self-isolating. So yeah. we're right in the midst of the uh, coronavirus, you know, uh, pandemic itself. So tell me a little bit more on given that as a context. And again, maybe in June, a lot of this will be behind us. I don't know about that, but. Well, the coronavirus see? may be behind us, but, but the rest of the world's problems are certainly not going to be behind us. Yes, uh, yes. And how know, do you, I'm sorry, how do you think the people reading visionary fiction, how can it uh, make that life that make an impact in that life? Well, I think it can help people to realize uh, that we're not alone, we're all connected, uh, and the whole world is in it together. Mm. And we need to uh, address all these problems together instead of as separate little communities, and separate nations. It's, it's ridiculous in this day and age that we're still considering ourselves to be separate when we're all, all one species and all one planet. and <clears throat> We've got to come together to solve these things. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Now, when did you first realize that this genre of visionary fiction existed, and and how did you go about discovering it? Uh, it wasn't until I'd written, uh, I think, my second or third novel that I, you know, you you write a novel and you have to go into the process of trying to categorize it. Everybody wants to categorize everything which yeah. is uh, ridiculous in itself. Uh, and you think, well, it's not science fiction, it's not fantasy, it's not a Western, it's not a mystery, you know, and then, so it wasn't until uh, I'd written a couple of books that they came out with the, uh, the designation of visionary fiction. I said, well, that's, you know, expansion of consciousness, that's what I've been writing all along, that's what I've been trying to get across to people. Uh, even I finished my first book 30 years ago, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a category at that time. Yeah. So uh, there wasn't really any good way to market it. Therefore, you know, if it doesn't fit in the, in the round peg, fit in the square hole or however that goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I came across it only about uh, 15 years ago, probably. Um, and I said, well, that's definitely what I, what I've been trying to write all along. So. It's interesting. I, I've found uh, quite a few of the visionary fiction authors that I've uh, either interviewed, you know, formally in this way or just, you know, casually had conversations with. That's, that's awesome. It's been many of the same experiences where they had, okay, um, I, I wrote yeah. this thing. It doesn't quite fit anywhere. And then, you know, what I ended up doing is I, I went on the internet, um, you know, and started to look around. And I had this notion of right, you know, being a visionary author. So I, you know, I went on Google one day and, and you know, did a search for that. <clears throat> and lo and behold, Visionary Fiction Alliance came up. I said, wow, you yeah. know, is it, there was even an alliance around this. So yeah, <laughs> it's a great thing to find. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, now, 
I believe it was on your website that I uh, came across this. Um, and we'll share your website address, you know, at, you know, towards the end of the show. He says, uh, you, you wrote, I have written several books in the relatively new genre of fictionary fiction. As I write, I seek to be an active participant in the exchange of energy and information between the mundane and the ethereal worlds. Now, can you expand on that a bit? What, what does it mean to be an, an active participant in, in such uh, an exchange? To be conscious of where stories come from, you know, they're not, they're not coming out of your own, only out of your own experience or your own mind, you know, things come to you from beyond the veils, and if you're conscious of that and participate in it, you, you'll get more, more inspiration that way, rather than just uh, trying to decide ahead that I'm definitely gonna, I'm gonna make this a good murder mystery and this is the way it's gonna go, A, B, C, D. You know, you gotta keep yourself open to uh, what spirit's trying to tell you. Yeah, yeah. So that you can pass it on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know it's very popular in, in uh, you know, uh, fiction writing in general, we talk about being either, you know, plotters or pantsers, you know, either you plot out your story in rich detail, you know, um, or you're, you kind of write it by the seat of your pants. And I've, I've always thought of that as more like a continuum, you know, there's, you know, strict plotters at one end and pantsers at the other end. And most of us are somewhere yeah. in between that, not, not either or. So where, where would you say you you, you tend to fit on that, that, that uh, probably in the middle. Yeah. I, I, I'll do a plot ahead of time or an outline, but never stick to it. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, I don't sit down and just write something straight out. It, it's a very long process and, uh, takes a lot of time for me. Um, I don't have a lot of terrific flow. Uh, so I do try to start with an outline, but it inevitably doesn't include everything that you end up wanting to, you know, and you, you come across something that you realize is much better and then you got to change your whole outline or, or just keep going, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's that, never. That's reassuring. A, that's reassuring for me, for sure, that, that, you know, I'm not the only one that thinks he knows where it's going. And then, like you said, if you're really tapping into whatever you would call it, the creative self, the, I, I often refer to it as my muse. Um, mm -hmm. That that aspect of ourselves may have a completely different direction it wants it wants to take it, and so yeah. you know then we have to you know as the author we have to make the decision: um, Are we going to go this way, or are we going to go the way that you know our our, our muse is really directing us? Yeah, yeah. you're. Uh, I think you, again, this may have also been on your um, website. You said, my latest works, The Road to Shambhala and Contact and Other Impressions. And now your latest one, which is soon to be published in, in uh, June by the time that this airs. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see if I can pronounce it correctly. Rosa Mundy? Yeah. You say yeah. these books focus on the interplay between these realms, the realms being the mundane and the ethereal worlds, and the effects of transcend 
transcendental experience on the subjective reality. So your latest book is uh, regarding that as well. So can't, without giving away the plot, we don't want to get, give away anything there. We want people to be enticed to, to pick up a copy. But um, can you expand on that a bit about particularly in regards to how uh, Rosa Mundy uh, fits that? I, uh, I just generally think that it's important for people to be aware that uh, we're not we're not here, we're not in this alone, and we're not the only ones involved in this experience mm. of our own life. There are beings around us, surrounding us, living within us, and you know, that we are inhabiting. It's just, it's a very complex world uh, that we can't see. And I, I like to uh, write stories that bring that to light, that, that we're not, uh, we're not working on this alone. The people are helping us, they're being, they're helping us, or spirits, or whatever you want, however you want to call them, yeah. on many different layers and levels. And uh, that's definitely uh, evident in Rosamundi. There's a lot of that going on. It uh, involves a, uh, a hospice aide who uh, comes to uh, help out at the bedside of a, of a dying uh, self-help guru Mm. And uh, she's uh, she's not going to stop being involved in people's line, lives just because she's passed on, you know. So those are the kinds of uh, things that I bring out in these books. Yeah. yeah, very good. Very good. How did this idea for this book come about? And how long? Well, let me ask you that first. How, how did it come about? And then I'll ask you a second part of the question. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who has pat answers to these kinds of questions. I couldn't tell you how it came about. Um, I, I had in mind that I wanted to, uh, to write a, a book that was even more, more, uh, explicitly showing the different levels of consciousness that are involved, uh, in everything that we see that was the only thing that I really had in mind when I started uh, the book. And, and I just pay attention to uh, the hints that are given to me, or, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have a little idea and you see how that fits in. Uh, you, we're constantly being, uh, we're constantly being led to uh, greater awareness by those that are helping us from the other side. If we just pay attention. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I, uh, I recently finished um, a visionary novel called The Fringe Candidate, and I, I resisted the idea of writing it. And um, again, I refer to that creative self as the, you know my muse. Um, finally, got my attention by not letting me sleep. Yeah, just uh, you know, night after night, I'd, I'd wake up with the other pieces of it, and it's like, no, I don't write political satire. You yeah. know? And you can ignore them, yeah. they'll, they'll keep at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine. I said, you know, for, you know, for my own sanity, if nothing else, and so I can start sleeping again, I'll write it. And mm -hmm. you know, luckily, fortunately, the, uh, the, the muse did not abandon me, but uh, continued to, you know, feed me the story. And it was really one of the most fun and engaging stories I've written in, in quite a few years. So. Yeah, I, I read it. It was very good. I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, good, good. Um, so the other part of that is, it sounded like you originally came up with, you know, this particular idea. So it wasn't a, a character that came to you, but the idea itself. Well, the idea came to me and, 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 you know, so I said, well, fine, okay, how am I going to do that? And, you know, years, maybe 18 months went by before I started really getting any idea for a story. I just kept focused on this is what I want to tell is this, this structure of, of how things work uh, between the transcendent and the normal everyday world. Um, I did start getting a, a, the narrator's voice in my head after a while, uh, <laughs> telling me things. And, uh, and then I, I worked, tried to work out a plot and that took me a couple of years to try to do that. <laughs> And then, of course, when I'm writing it, I ditched half of it anyway. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've been, I've been. It, it took two or three years to get it written. Yeah. Okay. That 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 was the question I was leading into. So thanks for answering it. It's you know, and it sounded like a good half of that time was kind of with it percolating, kind of in in the background yeah. of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, uh, when I think about it, the uh, the previous book, the contact and uh, and the uh, contact and other uh, impressions, was sort of a practice for the novel. That mm -hmm. that's short stories, and uh, now I now I realize that they're sort of sketches. The way somebody would do a sketch of a of a big painting, <laughs> you, do, you do a sketch of a character here and a character there, and then you put them together. You know. Um, Great, great masters would not just paint this big painting. They, they're going to do little areas first and design it out. Yeah, and that's that's sort of what I did with those short stories. But I wasn't really aware of that. <laughs> I was just this group of short stories, and and now I look back and say like, I can see how they all led me to be able to do the things I needed to do in a novel. So that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it's unlikely that you you would have been able to write. The books in the in the reverse order because like you said one was no. one was preparation yeah. for the other yeah i think it definitely was mm -hmm. yeah and um is there a particular practice or practices that you use that you found effective for you to help you tap into that that higher self that creative self well, i meditate every day um that's the main thing. And uh, like I say, yeah, I, I don't really get a lot of ideas in meditation, but if you, if you, if you meditate every day and keep that channel clear, then when you're ready to work, the ideas will come easier. Yeah. yeah. Cleaner. Good, good. Yeah. And what, is there a particular message or messages or points that you would ideally like the reader of Rosa Mundy to come away with? Uh, as I said, the, the, that we are not alone here and uh, there is always help if you are open to it. And there's always more information if you're open to it and there's always more guidance and more uh, more healing and more relief and all of those things are there and available if you make yourself open to it and uh, that 
there's always a always a way to uh, resolve any problem, including global warming and all of those kinds of things. That that, that there's a mass extinction, uh, you know, maybe on the horizon, but uh, there's so many, so many. So much consciousness is, is involved in trying to resolve it that uh, if we just stay open to it, it'll work itself out. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Well, I have to say, you know, here fairly early into this uh, coronavirus, I'm seeing that a lot. The creativity, you know, when uh, in many ways you could say humanity is really pressed against the wall in a way it hasn't been in our lifetime. Um, yeah. You know, the creativity and not, you know, not waiting for, you know, not waiting for our, quote, leaders to guide the way, but to, you know, to take it on to ourselves, you know, from big companies to small companies to individuals seem to be really, you know, yeah, making, you know, coming to that, that point of what can we, you know, what can I do? Not what can they do, but what can I do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the key. Um, well, let's uh, turn our attention just for a, a few minutes to the process of writing, and some of which we have already been doing. Um, uh, I'll give you maybe a, a little bit more fun, not quite so um, difficult <laughs> question to answer. We'll see. Um, so as a writer and as a writer of visionary fiction, what would you choose as your your mascot or your avatar or your spiritual animal? Do you have one? Or if not, what would you choose if you were to pick one? It's, uh, that's a very interesting question. I've never thought of that. Uh, my characters tend to have all of those things. <laughs> they all have a different, different one. Never thought about uh, for myself. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll be the Buddha. I'll be my avatar. Okay. Yeah. Okay, very good, very good. Well, that's maybe that's something you can ask during or you know, after your meditation or something to see yes. if, uh, if there was any volunteers out there that would come come to you. So, um, you've been writing, uh, if I if I heard you correctly, uh, about thirty years. Is that correct? Uh, Forty years. Forty years. Okay. All right. Very good. Yeah, I, w I finished my first novel thirty years ago. Gotcha. Gotcha. Did you start it 10 years before that? It took 10 years or you were writing? Almost, out? almost. I had started, I had written something else before that, uh, which never saw the light of day and a few other little things. And yeah, it did take me almost 10 years to write that first one. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, I, I, I'm going to ask this question. It's one of those questions, you know, kind of, a, uh, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it and sometimes I'm surprised. Do you think of your writing as a career or a calling or something else? Uh, it's definitely, uh, I, I, anymore I think of it as an obligation almost. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's something that I, you know, the muse doesn't let you alone and uh, you feel like you have to have to get out there what it's giving you. And uh, it's a definitely not an occupation because it doesn't pay that well. <laughs> Not very many of us that can uh, make make a living at it. But uh, yeah, that calling. You can try to ignore it for only so long. 
<laughs> if it's if it's calling you, you're gonna end up having to do it. So yeah, you know. yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of my uh, life coaches many years ago used to talk about the, uh, I think she called it the universal UPS truck. You know, it, it it's like uh, our our higher self, you know, comes to deliver some you know package, something, some gift inside of that package. We don't may not know exactly what it is. And if we refuse to package, she said, it's not a problem. You know, it's just like the UPS truck. It'll come back again and, you know, give yeah. you another message. He said, the one thing that is different about the UPS, universal UPS truck is each time it comes, the next time, it's a little bit more forceful on trying to deliver the package. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah. um, I think, you know, the Muse does have a way of, again, in my case here recently, you know, keeping me... Uh, waking me up, you know, late at night, um, having, uh, until I finally surrendered to, uh, you know, let's give it a shot itself. So do you happen to know what's next for you? Has your higher self uh, informed you as to what it's uh, got at at work? Not yet. I'm still, you know, still working on getting this one published and getting it out there. And uh, even though it's finished, it's, it's not ever really finished. You got to continue with the marketing and all that sort of thing. So yeah, I haven't started anything else yet. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, just to let everybody know, uh, Rosa Mundy uh, is available from what I understand uh, and certainly will be available by the time this airs on pre-order or on Gerald's new uh, website. And I'll put, you know, somewhere either down below me or below him. Uh, but it's uh, uh, www.geraldstanick.com. That's uh, G-E-R-A-L-D-S-T-A-N-E-K.com. So you can check that out. Um, and like I said, you know, you can pre-order the book there. Um, I understand it is coming out in June. And if I understood correctly, it's also going to be available as an audiobook. Is that correct? I believe so. That's what my publisher is saying, so <laughs> I think it's in the works. <laughs> that's probably, I, I would think that would be kind of a uh, pleasant thing to be able to say, yeah, that's, that's up to my publisher. He's, take, he's taking yeah. care of it. <laughs> so. it's, yes, it's, it's very nice to be able to say that. <laughs> so, so it sounds like, the, as far, at least as far as you know right now, you won't be narrating it, but somebody else will be narrating it. Is that correct? No, I, I narrated one of my other books once, uh, and this one has a female narrator. I, I didn't think it was really appropriate for me to, to do it. So, <laughs> I understand. Very good. Well, again, uh, thank you, Gerald, for spending time with us um, thank you. very much. Uh, again, it's GeraldStanick.com, and his book coming out very soon is Rosa Mundy. And I'll be back here in just a moment with today's Right on Purpose coaching tip. Okay. Take care, everybody. Welcome back. This video interview is sponsored by Right on Purpose Coaching. And here's today's Right on Purpose coaching tip. As I've said before, in my coaching practice, Right on Purpose, Many of my clients are aspiring authors and writers, people who want to move from the recurring thought of one day, someday, I want to write something, (laughs) and many of them want to write a book. 
yet the thought of such a task may freeze them like a deer in headlights. Well, today we're going to look at one of the key elements that is often missing that when it's present will propel them forward, and that is purpose. <laughs> now, I know some of you might be saying, well, my purpose in writing is to make money. You know, like making a living at it. Yeah, that's fine. And yet, making money really isn't a type of purpose that I'm speaking to. That's more of a result. No, what I'm talking about is connecting your writing with your deeper purpose, as in your life purpose. Like, why are you here on this planet? Now, here's a twist, a little different perspective I'd like you to try on. Your purpose is not what you do, even though people that I've interviewed over the years as a life and purpose coach have said so. <laughs> I'm suggesting instead that thinking in that way is really a case of mistaken identity. Remember, we're all human beings, not human doings. So your purpose is more about who you are as a being. I might even say who you are as a spiritual being and what you came here to this life to be and to experience. And when you get clear about what that purpose is, you'll begin to tap into another power, the power of passion that comes along with it. Together, your purpose and your passion will fuel you forward in all areas of your life, including if you should choose to express your true, divinely inspired purpose through writing. And that's today's Write On Purpose coaching tip. If you've heard yourself say, maybe for years, one day I want to try my hand at writing, or someday I'd really like to write a book, well, maybe we should talk. Start by going to the link below and stay tuned for future Visionary Fiction Alliance interviews and the Write On Purpose coaching tips. In the meantime, May your life be on purpose, filled with passion, and yeah, how about some play as well? Take care and stay safe.